0: Hello and welcome to In a Different League, the official podcast of the original fantasy football game. We're your hosts, me, Chris Pilau.
1: And me, Jesse Parker Humphreys.
0: And here's what's coming up on this week's show.
1: We look back on Game Week 24 in the Premier League, as well as taking in what went down in Chris's transfer window and my auction.
0: Neil Erskine and Mike Fleming join us for a bumper interview about their league, True Test, which features a couple of famous faces.
1: And that's this week's In a Different League. Chris, we should start. It was the in a different league derby last night. How are you feeling? You seemed very nonplussed this morning when we got on Zoom. You said you expected Palace to lose and that's what's happened.
0: Yeah, it's not a nice place to be when you expect your team to lose, but I'm feeling no different as to when we were recording last week. I knew it was coming. It came. I mean, there was a bit of a moment in the game where I was like, "Okay, we might actually get a point here, Uh, but it kind of disappeared. And... Yeah, the writing's been on the wall for a while at Palace. Uh, Roy Hodgson is starting to get a lot of fans' nerves, which is kind of a different subject, I suppose. I I think, if anything, try to do to bring this back to Fantasy League. The big lesson is there's no players worth going for with Crystal Palace at the moment, so stay clear. Maybe if you had Conor Gallagher, uh, then he's got you a few points. Yeah, how are you feeling after last night, Jesse?
1: I feel good because I didn't think we were going to win because I watch us play every week, even though my brother was texting me saying, oh, you're definitely going to win, you're definitely going to win. So when we did finally win, I felt good, because we were pretty awful in the first half. What a goal from Jefferson Lerma, though, to be fair. Um, Yeah, and I guess, I think I said it before, we obviously recorded before the Villa game, and I just said, sort of, Chelsea are on this constant up and down, and you can never really predict how well or not they're going to play. And then obviously the Villa game went very well. So it was nice to follow it up. With a win, rather than the constant cycle of boom and bust.
0: Jefferson Lerma, Conor Gallagher. It was kind of a it was a weekend for those midfielders. We spoke last week on the podcast. Enzo I Fernandez as well. Exactly. There's quite a few though, even across the weekend. Enzo Fernandez in that game. Obviously, Scott McTominay. There were a few others as well who sort of like those MFs. Bruno Guimaraes, Declan Rice. Last week on the podcast, they were saying that the midfielders, you know, aren't really picking up that many points. The central midfielders but it was definitely a weekend for central midfielders. I didn't have any in my team um, and I picked up 10 points over the weekend, uh, including, by the way, having Alphonse Areola in goal for West Ham, but managed to get positive points from that game because I had Ben White uh, in defence for Arsenal and Areola pulled off and off saves for me that he actually ended up, yeah, I ended up getting plus one from that game. But it was a, a bit of an average week for me, 10 points. How did you do in yours? And where are you? Are you still tumbling down your league?
1: I'm not tumbling. I would say I've, you know, if I fell out of the airplane and I was just in free fall, I've now pulled the parachute, but I'm not, this metaphor doesn't work because you don't then go back up. The whole point is you carry on falling. But like, I've I've slowed my fall. I had quite a good week this week. Uh, I had 17 relying predominantly on that Arsenal game. So I got six from William Saliba and I got six from the Saka. I finally got rid of Sven Botman in my auction. Oh, and then was But he got pleased. an assist, did eh? Yeah, but they still conceded goals. So I was yeah. like, look, if you're, again, conceding two goals to Nottingham Forest, this is proof that I was right to, to let you go. And one of the players I picked up in my auction, Diego Jota, then also got me points. So oh, wow. it, it's always well, he like... He was available a as a free sign. agent. He was the best free agent in the pile. Wow. And... I went into my auction noticing that everyone in the league had £14 million pounds left or less, apart from my sister. So I thought, do I risk it? And just bid £15 million on... So I went for Jota and Elijah Adebayo as my first two picks. I was like, do I risk it and hope that Emily either hasn't bid for them, hasn't noticed they're available, or has bid less? And she bid less for both. And I was at the Chelsea women's game against Sunderland and she texted me very upset and angry. And I said, well, this isn't really your fault because you were the only person who could have outbid me. And I went exactly as low as I could. Um, but yeah, I was, I was pleased and to get those two. Did
0: you make it to the George to, uh, to gloat?
1: I did. I did. I actually left. I never do this, but Chelsea Sunderland. Boring game. Uh, we were four nil up, and we did actually score a fifth. But I left a little bit early to get the train to make sure I could catch everyone at the George, which was nice. They were singing the praises of the Pod, Chris. Uh, apart from oh. neither my dad nor my sister listened to it; just the rest of the league. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, yeah, I've got a couple in my league who who refuse to listen to it as well, uh, but many who do. And actually, it was a weekend as well in the in the real football world of people kind of discussing this idea of leaving games early whether it's an appropriate thing Mm. to do whether your team is winning or losing obviously the West Ham game but I think that everyone would be in agreement that if you are rushing to your sealed bid auction then that is an appropriate thing to be
2: leaving a football match for
1: yeah especially when it's like the league cup and you're playing lower opposition I think that's fine the the West Ham fans leaving though that was very very funny Uh, I was at the Arsenal women's game they lost but then all the Arsenal fans well, seemingly happy that at least the men were thrashing West Ham and it was funny seeing um, seeing them all piling out. And I feel sorry for one of my friends. is She plays for Charlton. Their FA Cup game was put on Saturday and she's a West Ham season ticket holder and seemed quite excited that she was going to be able to get to the Arsenal game. And then I saw the score and I thought, oh, poor woman. Oh
0: dear. Oh dear. Another thing I was going to ask you that's kind of, I think that might be happening across the board in fancy league world is there are, a lot of injuries that have suddenly, like, cropped up. I mean, it's definitely affecting my, my team, Cunha, Jao Pedro. Remember last week when Neil said that everyone was getting rid of Jao Pedro? And then a couple of days later, he got injured. It's like, they did they know? Oh, my God. That was, I, that was a bit weird. And obviously, Elise. Um... Well, Paul
1: Barber famously did used to play Fantasy League. So maybe he's still lurking somewhere with insider
0: information. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. I've had to recall Callum Hudson-Odoi as a consequence. So, yeah. Injuries are kind of like happening. And at the same time, a real big thing, sort of like headline of the weekend, is that Erling Haaland is back. So Erling Haaland will be in every single league. And I suppose now the attention turns to whoever in that league has got Erling Haaland. But have you personally been affected by injuries? And remind me who's got Erling Haaland in your league.
1: So Julian in our league has Erling Haaland. Um, He got donated to him because he couldn't make the auction. Um, yes. for a nominal fee he is currently second he went second this weekend because my dad who was you'll remember doing well he also had Ariola in goal um so had a bit of a tougher week um i've got actually a clean bill of health once um mitoma's back and kunku's back john stones is back they've sort of been like my on and off absentee saying that means almost certainly someone will pick up a Injury. It'll probably be in Kunku, to be honest. Um, oh, my only absentee is um I've got Robert Sanchez. But I thought about ditching him at the auction. And I was just like, he's not losing me points. And looking at the goalkeepers that are about and available, I'm just going to take someone who's sitting on zero at this point in the season.
0: OK, so in our league, someone had Ficario all season. And I said last week that people with Tottenham defenders are kind of starting to feel a bit let down. Uh, because they just keep conceding goals, even though they're doing well going forward. And he got, grew so um, tired of um, of Vicario that he agreed a deal to sell Vicario to someone else in the league. And last week in our transfer window, he decided to go for <laughs> for a goalkeeper. He went for Scott Carson. So not even Man City's second-choice keeper, but their third-choice keeper. And he sees it as sort of like this genius thing, because you know he won't ever get any minus points or anything but I was like why not go for Ortega at least like he might get an FA Cup game he might come in and also why would you waste it on a Man City if you're really gonna you want a goalkeeper to have zero points why not go for like Sheffield United's third choice keeper and Mm -hmm. use up like a Sheffield United slot you'd much rather have like Oscar Bob as your second Man City player if he's available so, yeah, I'm not sure about that one.
1: That is a strange, strange choice. But, yeah, I do understand the notion of um, just keeping a, a goalkeeper who's not playing, although someone in my league did it accidentally because they bought Nick Pope and then were upset that they were getting minus points from the Forest game before it was pointed out to them that Nick Pope's not fit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that you, um, you do celebrate in those when that happens, when you think that one of your defenders is playing and then he's not in the squad. You don't care even that he's injured, that he's done his ACL. You're like, God, thank <laughs> God he didn't get me A-minus points this week.
1: <laughs> me with Sven Botman when I had him. Um, what stood out to you this week? Obviously, the Arsenal game was the sort of goal fest of the weekend. And I'm sure there's lots of people who have really benefited from having Arsenal players. Um, but beyond that, it was another quite goal fest weekend. I was interested. Um, I was listening to another podcast before the weekend. And they were saying that this is the season where... I think the most goals have been scored in the Premier League since, uh, or the top division, I guess, since like the 60s or something like that, which I feel like, again, played out in some clean sheets being few and far between. Obviously, a City clean sheet and a Brentford clean sheet is the other two other than Arsenal.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. And like I even said about Tottenham there, even those teams, they're kind of like conceding goals without people realising because it's sort of like the goal in the 80th minute once they've already scored two or three. Obviously, this weekend, the top four all won, but it kind of like seemed quite significant in different ways. Kind of now, it will be that, that now until the end of the season, kind of like as as soon as one of those starts to lose points now, it will become all sort of dramatic. But like you say, the rate that teams are conceding, maybe that's more likely to happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the other thing was kind of we shone a light on Luton against Sheffield United, how that might be a, a big point battle for players who had players from those from managers who had players in those teams and Luton were on such a run that we kind of you know who'd have thought it at the start of the season us sort of like picking up (laughs) up Luton but Luton looked to be the favorites playing at home obviously Sheffield United winning 3-1 away there was a bit of a, a shock and a surprise I had just got rid of Cameron Archer last week because he'd been doing my head in and not really doing particularly well I don't mind that he scored in that game because I think that he now won't score for quite a few games As I've been saying the last couple of weeks, the focus, very top of the table, very bottom of the table now. Um, That's kind of where you're going to be getting your fancy league points.
1: I will say on the Luton thing is, regardless of them losing from a sort of fancy league perspective, it didn't really bother me, no offence to Luton fans, because I think the thing that's interesting about them is that they keep scoring. And I'm just having a look. And the last game they didn't score in was Bolton in the FA Cup third round. And in the Premier League, it's Manchester United. So there just yeah. there are players there who are just consistently attacking players who are who are consistently picking up points regardless. And I actually think that doesn't really matter how much how many points as a team they're picking up because the fact that they're regularly scoring feels like a good sign still. Although they do have exactly United, then Liverpool, and then City in the FA Cup coming up. So maybe yeah. that stat will end.
0: <laughs> maybe uh, I said last week as well. It doesn't really matter if they're playing at home or away because they've even been doing it away. But you're right. Those bottle of the table teams going for their midfielders and attackers is the way forward. I mean, we are not advocating that you go that you go for their defenders, uh, but someone like Alfie Doughty, um, he is someone that is re- people are really starting to go for now. He's creating so many chances um, for Luton, getting loads of assists. And and if someone hasn't picked him up in in your league, listening to this, then then I suggest they do so soon. But yeah, looking forward to this weekend where, like you said, Luton are at home again to Man United. That's on the Sunday, many games before that, starting with Brentford against Liverpool. We don't necessarily have to talk about that game. If there are any other games that sort of catch your your interest, um, particularly on the Saturday, uh, which finishes with Man City uh, playing against Chelsea.
1: Yeah, I think Tottenham Wolves feels like quite an interesting one. Um, I know we've sort of touched on Spurs a little bit over the past couple of weeks, but they, again, feel like a team who, you kind of mentioned the defensive stuff, but are a team who are consistently getting goals, even though the defending isn't necessarily where it was. And they're one of these teams that seems to have you know, they've really hung on at the top despite having quite a mixed bag of results. Um, and, you know, they obviously are, they're five points off that top three. Them and Villa are sort of within a point of each other and they're both teams who seem to be going through, through kind of mixed fortunes and they're not really like consistently winning games. But obviously it's going to be interesting to see how that attack figures itself out. Now Sons back from the Asia Cup. He got the assist, didn't he, for the Brennan Johnson goal. So yeah, I think that's going to be one that's that's worth keeping an eye on, and and Wolves as well are a team who I again I can't really feel like I can get a handle on. They obviously really took advantage of Chelsea being pretty useless last week, and then this weekend go and lose to to Brentford. So and then there's that um, Cunha injury as well.
0: Yeah, well it's Cunha and Juan, mm-hmm. so they've kind of reversed their their fortunes, to Tottenham and Wolves because Tottenham were going through that. Injury spell where they didn't have Madison Son went away and they were sort of like seeing how they were going to get through it. But now we're kind of talking about selection issues for Tottenham. Um, you know what are their what's their front three going to be or even their front four and a sort of you know managers who've got Richarlison are starting to worry. Will the Son replace Richarlison? Does he play on the left? But then Werner's there on the left, so there are a few selection issues there, which is great for Tottenham, but not necessarily for a fantasy league manager. And yeah, with Wolves, it's Cunha and it's Huang. Still don't really know what the as a Cunha owner, I'm desperately trying to find out what the impact of this Cunha injury is going to be. But what what happened to Wolves over the weekend? I mean, it's kind of like a fantasy league team when you lose your two biggest point scorers. If you, if Wolves don't have Kunya and Huang uh, the way that they they've been playing this season, it was never going to go particularly well. But yeah, fingers crossed, um, Mateus Cunha, We hope you're back soon, or at least. I hope you're back soon. And West Ham also play in that three o'clock slot mm. off the back of the 6-0. You never really know what's going to happen. We haven't really spoken about them much this season, other than like singling out a couple of players like oh, Jarrah Bowen or James Wall prowse both of whom haven't had the seasons that we maybe thought that they would because of injury and, and for any other reason. It, it's funny because I, I decided to keep Ariola this month, thinking oh, it's going to be okay. It's quite a short month I could do with him and maybe I'll revisit that next month. But there was someone that I follow on Twitter who's a big West Ham fan who before that game was saying how worried he was about the game. And I was like, oh God, this isn't a good sign. Like, I haven't really been taking that much notice of West Ham. Uh, But he is saying how worried they are going into this game. and, and, And he absolutely was right. And maybe why we haven't really spoken about them and why they're so underrepresented, which they are in our league, is because they've actually been a bit sort of like boring, been kind of like restrictive in the way that they've been playing under David Moyes. The fact that West Ham didn't replace those two outgoings in January as well. All of this stuff isn't good fantasy league stuff. You know, they've also been conceding a lot of goals. They haven't won yet in 2024. There are a couple of teams that haven't won yet this year, this calendar year. Yeah, they haven't really been that reliable. And they're away to to Nottingham Forest, who are putting a few results together, at least kind of, uh, yeah, under Nuno. Even Callum Hudson-Odoi. I've recalled him. He scored again on the weekend. He's even starting to put chains of like ninety-minute games together. Jesse, is a Chelsea fan, you know that he never, he never did that. I don't think played like ninety minutes two games in a row. Let alone three. Let alone two goals in four games. Is this the Callum Hudson Odoi we've all been waiting for?
1: Yeah, Hudson Odoi is a very um, divisive figure on Chelsea Twitter at the moment. There's a lot of people who feel like Chelsea were silly to value him for what they did when they sold him to Forrest and you know you look at where Mudrick is in comparison to hudson Adoy and blah 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 blah. my kind of opinion is that I think he needed a change of scenery regardless and sometimes it's one of those things that so much had happened both at the club and for him with injuries and stuff that I'm I'm happy that he's playing well and, and he's doing well at, at Forrest and I think it's e- always easy when you're A team, especially like Chelsea, who feel like they've made so many transfer missteps to then sit on the sofa and go, oh, but, you know, like we we could have kept him or we could have kept him. And sometimes it just works out that way. Equally, you look at someone like Mason Mount, who probably, you know, at the start of the season, if you'd asked me between those two players who I thought we'd regret more, I wouldn't have been putting Hudson-Odoi up there. And then Mount's basically not played all season. So hindsight is a wonderful thing, I think. And um Anyone who sort of had watched hudson Adoy in recent years will say that this is, you know, a big jump up and I'm sure people will be happy for him. But I can't say, I'm like, oh my God, I wish we'd kept him.
0: I was going to say, that's a good link to talk about those past players into Man City against Chelsea, 5.30, Kevin De Bruyne is back. And you're right, there are people who are like, we could have, our lineup could have been De Bruyne and Salah. And just people think that just that they're playing with FIFA players almost. Mm. And like, they're just always that good. Maybe Mo Salah right. wouldn't have been as good. In fact, he just, I don't think he would have at all if he hadn't gone through kind of going to Italy and then eventually coming back. And the same with De Bruyne. He may not have been the same player. De Bruyne is obviously also the player that he is and even better now playing under Guardiola. But he will be playing against Chelsea in some capacity because Guardiola has kind of like been using him as this like super sub mm, and not in the fantasy start. league term of the word. Uh Super sub. It doesn't start, it almost kind of like gets him to just watch the game and then come on and just know exactly what he do, the perfect balls to play. But it's going to be an interesting game because even Man City, I mean, Chelsea haven't been keeping clean sheets. Man City haven't even been keeping those clean sheets. But yeah, De Bruyne, Haaland, it's the game of Saturday, if not the weekend. Uh, are you feeling confident or not at all?
1: Well, obviously the reverse fixture was that crazy 4-4 which has to be one of my favourite games of the season because it was just so bonkers. Um, I don't know if Chelsea, I feel like at the time Chelsea were more in, they had like a more of an ability to rattle teams. Um, I do think it will be interesting. Chelsea defensively have had to continue with this sort of chop and change. Um, Thiago Silva had been dropped for that. Villa game, but then Benoit Badiashile, who came in, immediately got injured. But then Tiago Silva looked like he got injured last night against Palace. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if this is sort of a Levi Cole will with Axel Disasi, um centre-back pairing. Interestingly enough, Trevor Chalaber's also fit for the first time this season. So that's another option Poch has there. But yeah, that kind of chopping and changing is something that. I feel like Chelsea have just struggled with all season. I do think one in matchup that will be potentially quite interesting is Marlowe Gusto going up against that Manchester City left-hand side. I do feel like if City's sort of weakness often is they've they've got... I mean, you can never really be exactly sure who they're going to play, but it feels like they've not really got like a, a locked-down natural left-back and that whoever kind of plays there can be got at. The risk is, of course, if you've got someone like Doku there you know, how much do you want to press forward? But Gusto has been one of Chelsea's best players, if not the best sort of over the past couple of months, uh, I'd say. And I thought he was fantastic again last night against Palace. And I do think that's one matchup where it would be sort of interesting to see. If if there was somewhere where Chelsea could get a City with a player who was sort of like in form and has quality, it would be Gusto down their left-hand side, I think.
0: Yeah, Palace left a lot of space for him there last night. Brantso was kind of like the doku and not coming back or helping out or kind of not really keeping up. That's what you need to do with City, find their weakness, however small it may be, uh, and try to exploit it. You're right also to pinpoint this the, the centre-backs. And if you had a Chelsea defender, you would be a bit worried, I think, going into this game and just hoping that it evens itself out. I haven't had a Chelsea player for a very long time this season. I wouldn't have minded maybe a forward player, but I'm not in the market of going in for their defenders. At the moment, into Sunday, two games on the Sunday, quite a lot on the Saturday. Palace are playing again on the Monday away to Everton, uh, but on the Sunday it's Sheffield United against Brighton and Luton against Man United. We kind of touched on on Luton, um, Man United, all those and, and the midfielders. Like I said at the start, all those people with um, Scott McTominay who spent. Do you remember that at the like towards the start oh. of the season, he was one of like one of the first free agents in September, October, and loads of people went for him, but. You know they've been doing quite well. He's been doing quite well. I think he might be one of Man United's top uh, scorers on Fantasy League now as a consequence. So you'd be happy there. And yeah, whether any of those, uh, anything else from those sort of like remaining games into the weekend, maybe on Everton we might finally see either Dominic Calvert-Lewin scoring or him finally being replaced by Beto. One of those. You're going to say this every
1: week, and you're going to be going to be kept waiting until the end of the season. I can't really believe you've you've held on to Beto.
0: I know, I had the choice. It's kind of like been Beto or Archer. I just, I I know. I just know that there's. it's one of those things that you convince yourself that the world's against you. And I know that the second that I get rid of Beto, Cavalewin will get dropped or will get injured and Beto will score. Beto does come on in the 70th minute in every game. He just doesn't really do anything when he comes on (laughs) in terms of fantasy league points. Uh, But playing against Palace, aren't they? So that could be a really really big game in the relegation battle as well because that really pulls everton to within what two points of palace before this points deduction could potentially also be overturned so it's going to be big in the in the sort of for those bottom teams in the premier league um these next few weeks for sure
1: yeah definitely
0: so that's it game week 25 to look forward to ending with that game everton v palace on monday night that's it for part 1 we'll see you with our special guests in part 2 OK, so if you've been listening to the In A Different League podcast over the season, you'll know that there's been a bit of a kind of a league chairman alliance when the league chairmen come on and league chairman appreciation. And we're very happy this week to welcome a league chairman and also someone who plays within the league, or I say many leagues, because where uh, our guest, Neil Erskine, really deserves his appreciation is that he chairs five different leagues. And with him today is Mike Fleming. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Neil and Mike, and it's brilliant to be here. You've, you'll get your your appreciation, Neil, for being here. Thank you. Do you want to talk us through sort of the, the, the big responsibility that you've got, Neil, chairing these five different leagues, multiple divisions? You've been going on for 30 plus years. Tell us a bit about the history of these leagues um, <laughs> and the people who play within them.
3: So, uh, with apologies to Neil Mansfield, initially that I'll talk about the first two, which are the oldest leagues, which are still uh, managed manually, not online. We did uh, try and take them online a couple of seasons back, but the guys preferred me just to go through the pain of, of updating everything rather than doing it themselves on online. And on that one, we we play for uh, we play for money. So uh, the additional uh, the, the, all the money goes to that they pay and goes to goes to prize fund. It started. Thirty-four years ago, with me taking the the points from the Daily Telegraph and putting it through a Microsoft Works for Windows program with uh, with my friend Norman Thompson, who who was the only person who had a, a program to run it in those days, and we used to fax and and hand out and occasionally post the the reports to everybody on a weekly basis. We had twenty managers. Uh, we did it all in one league, which was just crazy, just far too few players to go around, and then we split into two divisions. Another friend who played the game called Tom Smith wrote a an access program to run the whole thing for us. About maybe about six or seven years into it. that one's been going ever since. We play that one with eleven players only. We have a strict four four two formation. Although the rules change every year, and always introduce some some stupid new rule every every year to keep people on their toes. But this year's four four two strict formation. It's a budget management league. You a million pounds minimum per change so you've got to manage your money through the season rather than just your your score that's good fun we've tried all sorts of rules in that one over the years you know one one player from a team one striker the keeper is a generic for the team so I heard one of the managers earlier in the season on the pod saying they did a similar thing but so you can you buy the Man City keeper whichever Man City keepers playing, for example it, it wouldn't really work very well online as I've been finding out in the in the background so so yeah, that that league's been been great. It's local. Uh, we've had a few emigrate over the years, so there's still one guy who's played every season since it started. He's out in the United Arab Emirates, and he joins in by by Zoom and quick headcount. I think we've got uh, six managers who've played since year one, uh, still in those in those two ten team divisions or 19 team divisions. So that was the, that. Was how it all picked off, and just enthusiasm, just the way. We, everybody loved it and Willie uh, Murray who's uh, Jamie and Andy Murray's dad has played right from the start and the boys joined in uh, when they were old enough to survive the auction I remember one auction Andy saying we, we want to come along to the auction and have a team and their the dad said yeah okay you can do that he goes well how hard could it be beating 10 drunk guys to a player that, that was his his perspective on the on the auction and he was probably quite correct. An early memory of that one as well was they used to print every week in the Telegraph the national rankings, uh, and Willie was was third in the rankings after two weeks of the season. Uh, incredibly excited. Uh, and all on the back of a, a guy called Patrick Berger, who Liverpool had signed, who was a, an attacking midfielder who was misclassified as a fullback. He managed to spot that error early doors and Berger scored, I think, two or three goals in the first two weeks and ended up putting Willie in the top three of the, the national leagues. But he, he kind of plummeted from that point, much in the ways he normally plays fantasy football. So.
0: I went for the introing, kind of like had two choices here: is the news hook to intro Neil as this sort of fantasy league guru, the guy who runs five different leagues. And I decided to give you the appreciation. But then obviously within your first answer there, you have also revealed the other big news hook to the mm-hmm. leagues that you yeah. are you are within. And that is that Andy uh, Murray and Jamie Murray play within them and have got a long-standing history with the game. You've talked about it there. We've obviously got the league tables in front of you, in front of us here. We can see that Andy currently isn't playing, but that Jamie has been uh, helicoptered in um, yeah. You talked there about how they've, they've come in from a young age. Uh, do you want to talk a bit about them and, and their history with Fantasy League? Yeah, uh,
3: Jamie particularly, is a, he's a real stato. You know, Jamie loves football stats. As a young lad, he used to come to us to Easter Road to watch Hibs on a regular basis, and he would just be fascinated with attendances, you know, how many bookings there was, how many appearances certain players have played. So it was right up his street, the the whole fancy football stats side of things. So he's been he's been really consistent. He's played every I think he's played in every league. All the leagues that I have chaired, he's had a team in it at some point. So and yet when the guy at the bottom of the league, who happens to be uh, Jamie's doubles coach, who miraculously won the league through doing absolutely nothing all season, when he started tanking and refusing to change players like Jaden Sancho, out of his squad. I, I went back to Jamie and said, listen, you you, you dipped out this season. How would you fancy taking this team on for the rest of the, you know, with your coach? And he said, yeah, yeah, of course, I'll, I'll do it. So he started to make some changes pretty, pretty quickly. So he's in a false position at the bottom. But um, Mike will be able to tell you actually a little bit about Jamie's unique fantasy league strategy, which is... Um, when he's go- when he's going well, he concentrates on the attacking players. But I think we both know Mike when he, things are going badly. What his default strategy is?
2: It's yeah, it's quite similar to mine actually. <laughs> Uh, although not much this season because it's basically searching for clean sheets, you know. Shifting. Can and
0: you sh- tell us where you found them, please? <laughs> 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 Mythical <laughs> double cleano,
2: isn't yeah, it? Yeah. So I mean, I've yeah. The double cleano—that's a famous one. You know, all of a sudden a double Burnley cleano pops up. But that's true. That's when Sean Dyche was manager. I just can't find them this season. But yeah, Jamie, quite similar to me, goes defensively. And of course, we've got the defensive midfielder rule in our league, uh, where they're scoring. Yeah, Neil doesn't like that too much. That's Stab- I got forced in actually um, through the Bunnies League. The Bunnies League with the guys that started that one, and uh, it's now in the top league. So that's what I like about this game is the movement. The movement you can get in your squad and bringing a fullback searching for that elusive Clinko, as we call them, uh, just scrapping points from here and there and climbing your way up the table that way.
1: Mike, talk talk to us about how you ended up in this league because I can see your, your top at the moment but you <laughs> were made to, to work to reach the giddy heights of this league <laughs> itself.
2: Yeah, I got invited in, I think it was five-ish, Years ago, started off in the Bunnies League, which was full of bunnies. Uh, there's a couple of good managers in there. Including uh, your brother. Yeah, including my brother, yeah. Your Colin, brother with... Colin these... Fleming, another tennis player, doubles tennis player. Managed to win that, much to the kind of disgust to the other managers, because I, like <laughs> I, like I like to wind them up in the group chat with... Uh, Pictures of my players popping in when they're scoring goals and pictures of um, the Clino Express, which is, uh, you know, a little a little steam train with uh, the Clino <laughs> Express written on the side. And uh, just reminding them I'm, I'm there scoring points uh, mm-hmm. when they're when they're rolling in. Yeah, I won the Bunnies League pretty comfortably up to the true test. I think I actually won that in my first season up there as well. So I did the double. Um, which I let everybody and, know about, and then saying, the, the season after, the season after, a little bit of a yo-yo club. I, I got relegated again, and then made it back up this season. Yeah, so this is my fifth season back up, currently sitting top.
0: How would you um, explain the difference? Do you, do you feel it's a different game playing in the bunnies to playing in the true test? The calibre of the of the fantasy league being played in the true test. It sounds like it's a different a different game.
2: Yeah, I think everybody's much more on the the sealed bids. Just kind of much more on it in general. The bunnies—it's a good laugh. It's yeah, the group chat is firing, and that's more kind of like someone's left a player in their team by accident, you know, and they're playing Man City away and they're taking an absolute pounding, <laughs> you know, a fullback or a centre back or something like that, which happens a lot. um For example, in the bunnies, the snake, or in the beds, you know, someone's picked something that this has been talked about before in the pod. I think someone's picked someone that's out for eight months type stuff. You know, ACL, you're like, and everyone's giving them pelters when that happens. So it's a higher calibre. The Bunnies is a great laugh. It's a shame it's gone, actually. I'd like to see it come back if we can get a few more guys, the original guys involved again and you guys back. We can get two leagues.
3: Yeah, Neil, Neil and I have talked about this over the, over the recent months, that, you know, the the difference that between Fantasy League and Fantasy Premier League it seems to be the banter and camaraderie that develops amongst the leagues. I think if you have too many new managers, too many managers who don't follow the games closely enough, you lose that. You lose that banter, and I think that's what happened to the bunnies. Ultimately, it, it, there were too many guys in there who just weren't watching the football and weren't contributing to the group chat, and as a result, lost enthusiasm, and the league folded. So it's a testament to the you know, what makes fantasy league work work across the board. And listen, at the pod over the weeks, so that's been. Coming through loud and clear to me, and um, you know, and, and other leagues across the country.
0: You, you also mentioned um, before we started recording the pod that I, I can't remember whether it was Jamie or Andy who were in charge of one of these leagues. But then, because of this, all this admin that comes with it, <laughs> had to kind of take you to one side and be like, "I can't, I can't run this anymore," uh, just simply because of how much, well, whether how much work it was, and also obviously the work that that they were doing. Yeah, I think, I think
3: Andy, when kids started to come into his life, you know, combining that with demands of travelling and the time differences, you know, that was a big thing for, for the whole league, actually, because so many of the guys were involved in the tennis tour that, you know, some of them might be playing in America and the other ones might be playing in Asia. The timing of auctions and the timing of sealed bids and so forth became slightly problematic. And I think it was just a hassle in his in his life that he could, could do without. So he asked people, put their hands in the air, and I said, listen, I'll, I'll do it. I'm well used to doing sharing these leaks. So um I'm quite happy to to make it work to keep it uh, keep it ticking over. So that's really how how that worked.
1: What do you think you love so much about it Neil running the leagues? <laughs> because to do so many of them I'm like yeah. that's a special special enjoyment of being chairman.
3: Yeah I, I'm, I'm not sure I, I think just started right at the very beginning I just loved the concept of the game you know that I thought the, the concept of, of everybody using their knowledge to give themselves an advantage in the game picking that one player that you know you kind of knew about that the other guys in the room didn't know about and the guy that should be a striker but is actually classified. As a midfielder, these kind of those kind of little bits of knowledge w- was what got me at the beginning. And I, I I've always been very competitive. I love competitions generally. And I also like a task. I really enjoyed building that first league and and working a system out that made it work the way I, I wanted it to. And of course, the online version came along and did much of that for us. The big jump for me in enjoyment where I kind of reignited my full, full enthusiasm, was when the customization came in. So you could start to change little bits of the rules and little bits of, of things in the game to, to the way you suited them. And every year I, I do something a little bit different, like budget changes, positional changes in the, in the manual one, but obviously not in the online one, and little rule changes. I mean, <laughs> Mike sort of touched on the DMs. I was absolutely adamant that as if I was a chairman, the repeated phrase was DMs don't exist in the true test. Uh, I just did not like the concept of DMs at all. Everybody else wanted them in. I think we called the league that year something to do with the dictatorship. It was a dictatorship versus, uh, versus a committee. So Fantasy League only works with a dictatorship. It doesn't work by committee, but... I relented, and mm-hmm. uh, the, co- the, the, the compromise was that DMs went in, but you might see from the scoring matrix that they're, they're punished very hard for uh, red cards and own goals. So if you're going to take a risk on a DM, then he's more likely to get sent off than a... A normal midfielder, so you're going to get your minus five.
2: Yeah, I got punished badly there with uh, Basuma earlier in the season, didn't I? With he did a ridiculous dive against Luton <laughs> for a sending off. So how, how much? What's a sending off again? In our it's mi-
3: minus five, minus plus five. Yeah,
2: plus you get all the minus defensive five. points. I mean, he went. You went from minus. And Spurs got a clean sheet that day, so that's an eight-point swing there. And fantastic!
3: Just... I love these big swings. It ruined my year, day. That yeah, the year. Uh, sorry to digress a little bit, but the year I, uh, the last year I won the whole thing. I, it, it was it was fantastic because I pipped Andy on the last day It was the last last round of matches, and I'd been creeping up on him from about fifty or sixty points back, and he was like doing his usual gloating that he was. So much the best manager the world has ever seen, yes. and um, I was gradually keeping up on him. And I had um, Neil. Neil remembers this because we we talked about it before. The final game of the season when Man City won the league and Laporte touched the ball like a foot to Company, who nailed it from thirty five yards. I had both Laporte and Company, so they won. They won with a double clean sheet and. I only spotted the assist for Laporte half an hour after the match to to win it by two points. That little tickle to the side from Laporte uh, won won me the whole league, and that was uh, that was one of the the the, the greatest fantasy league moments of, of my thirty odd year career.
0: Neil, you know it's not a double clean sheet. You know it's a double cleano.
3: Cleano, sorry. Yeah, it was the, the
0: Clino Express was well and truly well and truly on, on the
3: tracks that
2: day. The Clino Express. That yeah. the picture like I said earlier, that picture's not been coming out much this season. It's hard to No, it's tough Is it to always the end.
0: same picture that you put out of a train? Yeah. the same yeah. Pi- yeah. the same <laughs> track. Thomas, Thomas the tank engine, isn't it? Just, <laughs> yeah. But you almost can't remember because it hasn't been used for so long.
2: Yeah, I've got, I've got some, another classic one is I've got, I say to people, you know, fax me your offers for uh, my players. <laughs> you know, if someone's doing really well, you know, I've got Foden there who scored, I don't know, nine points the other night. And it'll be like, Phil Foden's available, fax me, please. And I'll pop in a little pictures of, uh, you know, my team name, double clean sheet through on a fax machine that type of stuff it's yeah, solved to wind people up and just some good banter Yeah, and I think that's what the game is mainly about really take it seriously but have some fun as well and have some good fun on your group chat and banter and that, that's what keeps people going We did a funny thing didn't we with the um,
3: when uh, Jamie and Willie came back into the league for, to replace the two managers who Get tanked so the tank tanking it, it uh, you know, doesn't use the term. Ta- people just stop trying, they, they just don't even do the seal bids, they don't do the super subs, they just, you know, switch off to the whole game. So, we uh, Mike's very good at the photoshopping, so he managed to. If any of you are familiar with Gary, the tank commander program that's on BBC Scotland, I don't know if you've Comedy co- comedy program, very very oh, funny. You watch really, it. Yeah. Too local parochial, yeah. yeah. Uh, but he mocked up Gary the tank commander with uh, Willie's Willie's head on one tank and Jamie's on the other. So um, the new the new commanders of the tanks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what? How would you? So Jamie's been brought back in. You said he's a bit of a stato. How? How do? You, how will he approach the rest of the season? And how does he compare as well with Andy and how Andy used to play? Um, Do they have particular fantasy league styles of management?
3: Yeah, Andy. Andy's relentless, really. You know, he just is constantly at people to make trades, and you know, he they're always to his advantage. I mean, he he picks on the weakest. He would pick on the guy that's playing for the first year and say, "Oh, yeah, I could give you, I don't know, Christian Romero for uh, Ruben Diaz, you know, because uh, Diaz doesn't play all that much, and you know, uh, Romero's a good solid center." But and he, would, he would use all his knowledge to try and persuade people who know less than he does to to give him a trade that would be favourable. And invariably, it would be somebody who was travelling with him. Is that fair, Mike? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Normally a coach or a physio or something, and he'd just be yeah. at them like this all the time. So, yeah, he he, he loved a trade. Jamie is, as we touched on before, much more likely to use sealed bids and surprise tactics, maybe. You know, trying to sign guys that nobody else might have thought of. He's very happy to take a risk. But I don't... Think and I could be talking it at a turn. I don't think Jamie's ever finished in the top half of Vantage League. Wow! He might have sneaked in there, but he's never won it. He's never won it. So whereas Andy's won it on a multiple occasions. So
2: Andy's style is definitely one that I miss. And uh, let's hope we can get him back. I think we'll, uh, we'll get him back at some point. Yeah, Neil, Neil could get him back. In the league. I, I need some competition after all. Yeah. You know, so
1: <laughs> I was going to ask Mike, how confident are you feeling? But it sounds like you are confident.
2: I've checked Bill, who's in second place kind of overtook me a couple of weeks ago just my squad was struggling and I was looking at a couple of guys thinking it's time to cut you loose and they stepped up to the plate that was all the motivation they needed you know I think I'm 30 30 something points ahead at the moment so confidence is high in the camp and a bit of a new strategy for me, hopefully Phil's not listening to this, he, he, he probably will actually, And that I'm not going to look for those cleanos too much now because it's just it's costing me too many minus points. So I'm going a bit more attacking for the for the next few weeks, I think. You're going to go well, like against I'm, I'm, your
3: own brand. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping I might be able to make some grade. I've been languishing near the bottom of this one, and uh, but I've got Haaland, who's obviously missed a lot of matches, and I've got Hoyland, who didn't score until December. So if those two if those two uh, can get ahead of Steam up,
2: the Cleaner Express will have something to worry about. Yeah. I think Amazing how low you are with Haaland and your team. Yeah,
1: yeah
2: thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah, I'm, t- I'm talking about you know looking for attackers, looking for guys that are going to get assists and goals as opposed yeah. to the, the clean sheet or the double clean sheet. Or yeah. defensive midfielders that I, that I love and that's what I love about this game is the, that freedom of movement you own that individual player you know I really like that two managers three managers can go for the same guy in the sealed bids you're, you're bidding different amounts for that player you know you sneak them and the other guy doesn't and mm. he ends up getting you some points yeah it's just good fun it's great fun as opposed to you know other versions of fantasy football where you know everybody's got the same team and it doesn't interest me as much
0: and a good league is only as good as its chairman is that right Mike? How much? yeah um, does yeah
3: Neil?
2: <laughs> yeah Neil runs it great yeah for sure
3: and it, it, it's funny actually because you know as a chair you've got to be prepared to put up with you know stupid stuff that people ask you and you know things they really should know better but We've got one guy in the league who's just always oh, at me. When are these sealed bids going to go through? You know, it's now ten minutes after the sealed bid deadline. I'm like, yeah, but I'm actually out at the minute. I'm over, you know, the kids are about, or you know, it doesn't really matter if it's ten minutes here, or there. Some of us have got to go to bed, you know, and this kind of thing. That's the hassle of being a chair yeah. more than anything else. Um,
0: they are also like almost seem to always be on the verge of wanting to overthrow you. And I kind of almost feel like, okay, well, all right, let's just try. And you can overthrow me if you want. And then we'll see kind of you see like what him. happens. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, you know, I, I, don't I, get I... enough respect, do you, Neil? And that's what I can understand now why you've been such a discipl- disciplinarian, putting in the minus five <laughs> for <first> sendings <laughs> off and stuff. You're really just kind of like ruling with an iron oh, fist. This is I too much tiny violin for chairmen's going on.
1: here. <laughs> your team
0: name is called Chairman <laughs> Meow. I could I just saw.
3: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. we 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 always try and get a little uh, a little icon on the on the team just to. Um, in fact, during lockdown, that was funny, wasn't it? Because we uh, Mike and I worked away at giving every every team an appropriate icon on their on their team page. It was it was it kept us amused during lockdown. That was uh, fun. I love making the rules and I love being creative with the rules. So uh, that part of the chair, chairmanship I really enjoyed.
0: It. You suggested there, I mean obviously Jamie's come back, you said that it would be great to get Andy back to if only to give Mike a bit of competition. Uh maybe it kind of it all starts here. Uh will there be a campaign now to, to bring Andy back for next season? Is there anything that we can do on the on,
2: on the uh, in a different league uh, podcasting I, I, I think, help? I think I'm calling him out. I'm calling him out. We need him back. Yeah. But Neil was right. When Andy was in the league it was constant, you know text message when you're at work i'll do a deal with you this player for that player it was great it's great how serious you took it and we need that back i don't know what, what can we do neil well the
3: life of a tennis player it means that we've got lots of time to sit and think about things when other people are at work and trying to concentrate on their life you know and <laughs> you just expect you to be able to think about that whenever he feels like it but really the problem with andy i think his friends i'm pushing this one back on mike because uh mike Mike, uh, uh, you know, grew up playing tennis with uh, Andy and, and Mike's brother Colin and Jamie and so forth. So they're they're all of the same generation. Whereas family, you kind of we've learned over the years with both Andy and Jamie just to back off a little bit on tennis matters, particularly if I message Andy and I get a response, that's great. You know, I, I know he's interested. If I message him and don't get a response, I know not to press it. And we see so little of the guys that to put them under any kind of pressure when we see them for something that they're not interested in is not a good thing. So uh, we like to catch up on, on stuff to do with the family when we when we, we see each other. But I'll work away my own quiet way behind the scenes and we'll definitely get them back. It's uh, But I think Mike, Mike and, and his his uh, age group peers might be actually the ones to apply the pressure better
0: Well Neil, if anyone can do it, it can be you, you've been running these leagues for so many years, the disciplinarian I'm sure we believe in you uh, league (laughs) chairman Neil, it's been a delight to have you both on Neil and and Mike, we look forward to one day having maybe Jamie and Andy on the podcast maybe it's a shout out to everyone listening to the podcast in Fantasy League to also start harassing uh, Jamie and Andy, well to start (laughs) harassing Andy to to join the league again. Do... You know where to find him on social media. You know where to yeah. find us on social yeah, media yeah, at Fantasy League, podcast at fantasyleague.com If you would like to get in touch and tell us about your leagues, maybe you also play with a famous tennis player, famous football player, famous whoever.
2: We can't go without seeing the Klino Express here, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh of course. To that.
1: Oh, that's amazing. Oh, look at that. No,
2: I need yeah. that in my <laughs> life, you
1: know, actually.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> He's even that. our sponsor. It's got a yeah, that, that. Oh, is MF, that is that your your um
2: your company? MF Decorator, yeah. So I, I've run. I, well, I'm a decorator, yeah, and I, I've got a couple of guys that work for me. Um, let me see what we have got here. Have you got the
3: less
2: sealy one? Oh, the seal, yeah. Is it the seal Bids? That, that, that became... that, that's just for seal beds. Somehow, seal beds are less sealy. I've got some other ones there. You know, someone needs someone needs a bit of surgery on their team. So Les doing a bit of surgery. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, that one didn't have the sponsor, MF Decorating, on the back of the search. Yeah,
2: oh, there, there it is. I was looking for that, the fax machine. So these oh, faxes will pop in.
1: Oh, yeah, oh, that's
2: right. that's outstanding. MF Decorating, double clean I'm sure I second a lot of people with these.
0: If you know, heard about my league in the very first episode, we've got a sponsor, the local off-licence. But it's only, mm. it's like kind of like on an eight-year deal because... That's when the shield will run out of shields, and then we'll have to get a new one. <laughs> and we're saying that we might get a new sponsor. It kind of like the sponsorship will be up for grabs at that point. So I'll get in touch <laughs> in a few years, and maybe it, um, become the MF decorating league. It's,
3: I think London I, is Mike's target area for uh, for expansion yeah. <laughs> from Linlithgow.
2: Yeah. I sponsored um, my nephew's little team. Uh, maybe it was like a ten and under team or something. So I had the sponsorship on the the local team, and I was I was mm. wearing that for one of the auctions. People like that. you've not produced a kit for your team out <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, it's not that bad, but that's a good idea. Yeah, it's really good. Idea.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? It's been such a pleasure having you both on. Neil, Mike, thanks so much for joining. Please do get in touch with us if you'd like to fe- have your league featured on social media at Fancy League by email podcast at fancyleague.co.uk.
1: There's no part three this week. There's do you want no me to jump three. in and say that bit? Yeah. Leagues. <laughs> There's no part three this week. So we will be back next week with Neil Mansfield for all the, the updates on Fantasy League. But for now, thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you to producer Simon. Thank you to Neil and Mike for joining us on the show. And we'll see you next week.
0: Thank you, you. <laughs>